to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. We are going to talk about so many things today. We'll talk after nine. We'll get the big picture into what's going on regarding the uh, possible AMCU strike and what that really means, okay? Just in terms of the numbers, we're talking about Sibania Stillwater uh, mines, if that really does happen to the level that AMCU certainly wants it to happen. We'll see about that. Great innovation um, coming up after 9.30. As always, we start with the, the big hitter. My name is Ashraf Garda, not the big hitter. Big hitter comes up in a moment. OH9104207. Save that number like permanently. You need to save it, right? Um, that's to call in. You can also SMS us, 40938. You can tweet us. Uh, when you tweet, it's hashtag SFM Viewpoint. Use that hashtag. It gets us to pick up a trend of discussion all throughout the show and beyond. On that, and then when you do that, tag me, Ashraf Garda, and do tag SAFM Radio as well. And then, of course, you have option four, which is a WhatsApp voice note, uh, maximum 30 seconds, otherwise, we cannot play it. It's 0614 104 So, we've got all the bases covered first time callers, regulars, male, female, people born in South Africa, people born in China, most uh, welcome to call in. And I say that very, very deliberately because my guest knows lots of things about China. He's Dr. Paul uh, Zilungiseli Tembe. He's a, a research fellow at the Tabo Mbeki African Leadership Institute. Uh, is also an associate professor at the Institute of African Studies. And you need to help us with how we pronounce this Chinese university, uh, which is called Zhejiang. Yeah? Zhejiang. Okay. Yes. Zhejiang. Zhejiang. Okay. Yes. That's the Zhejiang Normal University. And where, where in China is that? That's in Jinghua, just south of Shanghai. Okay, well, good to good to meet up with you, and thanks for coming into studio. And we're going to spend one hour with you. Let Let's start with perhaps the, the, there's many things we're going to talk about. Let's start perhaps with with the, the significant thing, because I know you have a big interest in China. In fact, you studied in China, right? Yes, I did my research in China. My field study was done in China, but my my base university was in Hong Kong. Okay, and and yes. and you specifically wanted to what you you had an interest in understanding what the Chinese culture, Chinese philosophy, there was a specific interest in being in China? Well, while in Europe, I, I understood the paradigm shift, the global paradigm shift, and there was this big talk about China. So I started doing business there. But while immediately I landed there, I realized this, this was a new ball game. You need new tools in order to understand how they rationalize, how they deal with their system, how they plan their work, how they plan their policies. Because all those things, what we call politics, it's a combination of all these different parts. Mm -hmm. So that's what made me to immerse myself into studies in China in order to understand their culture. And therefore, I mean, one of the things we know that you, you certainly know lots about um, Africa or Afro-Chinese uh, relationships. But, but any other specific interests that you have? Well, I spent 15 years working in IT. So the the looming or the emergent fourth industrial revolution and the concerns around artificial intelligence, which is going to be the driver of industries all over the world in the coming in the near future. I have lots of interest and I'll write a little bit on that okay. as well. We'll pick yes. up on all those things. Let's start with, with Afro Chinese relationships and, and let me put it this way. Is is the Chinese is the growing Chinese influence in Africa and interesting, we, we, we say Africa, not just one one or two countries within Africa. Is that a, a, a new way of colonization or are they friends? Are they friends or the enemies? China and Africa is going to be w- what we do of China. 
is going to be what we're doing out of China because all efforts that China, Chinese are engaged in, Chinese are not only engaged in Africa, they're engaged in the US, they're engaged in Europe, they're engaged in the Middle East. So the presence of China in Africa is going to be what we make out of it. So if we use the word colonization, it's because we are so used to colonization that we sort of fall in love, mm-hmm. this love-hate with colonization. So it, it comes from that. But definitely China is not a fool because when you take analysis and you take a, a decision, you take it from history. China has never colonized. And by the way, China still has got 300 million people. It's got to elevate them from poverty. They've only covered 700 million in the okay. last three wow. decades. So China is not interested to colonize anybody. They still have their own problems. They have their people to take care of. What Africa is, the advantage of Africa is that Africa is a growing market. Africa maybe is the next superpower if we harness this uh, African youth uh, dividend, mm-hmm. which can easily become an African youth case if we don't harness this uh, growing youth dividend that we have in Africa. So what we have to do, we have to put measures in place in order to, to develop uh, human resources in Africa. So Africa is a big market, but that what puts us again in the at a point of an advantage is because we are part and parcel of the global South. Mm-hmm. So we are a developing country as a continent, and South Africa has this mid uh, good infrastructure. So in most of African countries, we don't need to retrofit in order to take advantage of China's technology, in order to take advantage of China's new investments in order to take advantage of the fourth industrial revolution. We don't need to get rid of the old industry in order to put Mm, the new. mm, mm. One example is just the development of the cell phone. Cell phone is widespread in Africa and in a rapid pace simply because we didn't have working landlines in Africa over time. We've jumped that. We've jumped that already. And the same thing is going to happen with the fourth industrial revolution. But how do we take advantage of that? One little thing, data, for example. Mm-hmm. Data for deep machine learning and algorithm machine learning. We need data. And there's a transversity of justice or discrepancy there. In South Africa, we speak of data privacy. Now, there's, at the same time, we say there's a bias in technologies. They don't envi- involve us in their data. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for effect, when we license spectrums to multinationals, that means our data leaves South Africa. So we don't have data uh, private. We neither have private nor national data yeah. sovereignty. So how, how big a deal is that, the fact that we don't have... The, the sovereignty about around data privacy and and, and 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 just general data data is knowledge sovereignty means a country or nation so, it so means we don't, we don't have we don't a own nation. the knowledge yeah we don't own the knowledge it means in future if we manage to create good human resources and maybe in 20 30 years we realize mistakes that we have done most of our legal folks will be dealing with issues of ip because our data, all of it will be outside. But we still have a window of opportunity that we can use now. I'm looking at the 10, next 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Because 
Africa is growing to be a big market. Everyone wants to come to Africa. We've got mineral resources. We've got spaces to diversify not only African or South African economies, world economies. So we have an opportunity to put terms in place. So, so you have the thought, what then, okay, so what then should South Africa do? And we will talk China, South Africa, or China-Africa relations again just now. Yes. So I welcome your calls. But what then should South Africa be doing around the fourth industrial revolution? And you can answer this in one go. And what is, so what is South Africa doing? And what more should South Africa be doing? This, I've, I've got a thesis that I always say. There are three bottlenecks in South Africa. We are getting the goods of the new book. The new book is the world paradigm shift. That is the East and Asia. Yet, we are busy reading from the old book, which is the Western modernity that is taking a plunge. That is the first thing. That is the discrepancy. We are reading from the old book and eating from the new book. The second thing, we believe in short-termism instead of long-term. What do I mean about short-termism? Party politics, policies, have got to divorce themselves from economic development policies. That is the second one. The third one is that we've got beautiful policies in South Africa, but there's a caveat there. Most of beautiful policies in South Africa are not legislated into law. So they are malleable. Okay. So important things. What about you joining in on the conversation? Do you want to agree with my guest, the professor? You want to, you know, wrestle with him, verbal wrestling? It's all absolutely welcome. You can do that. 0891104207. That's the call in number. Uh, so Dr. Paul uh, Silungiseli Tembe is my guest. He's a research fellow at the Tabo Mbeki African Leadership Institute, also associate professor at the Institute of African Studies, has also studied in China as well. But uh, yes, you want to engage him, do so, challenge him, say thumbs up if you agree with certain points. So let's get to the first one, the analogy of the old book and the new book. And it's interesting, I'm sure many people think of the biblical analogies here, right? Mm. So how then should we read from the new book? What's it going to take for us to read from the new book and not just eat from the new book? To, to read from the new book, we should uh, stop... Uh, relying on labels because the old book what it does we speak of these beautiful legalistic terms and frameworks that we we try to put in place in order to guide our society organize our society but what has happened so far these legal frameworks or political frameworks have failed to deliver public goods they've failed in the process of of in the processes of inclusion it's inclusion on, on paper. But let me take like this. We are using a system-based society tools in attempting to govern community-based society. So many people become excluded in education, as we know, in South Africa. We've been trying for 20 years to include most masses into school. It's mm, not happening. Mm, mm. 
We have problems with energy. We have problems with the architects. I, I don't like using the word apartheid. It's been two decades, God, for God's sake. But the, the, the apartheid architecture is still in place. We haven't unleashed measures in order to change the economic infrastructure. Infrastructure is not only building. But there's economic infrastructure that speaks also on how you you deal with your society. How do you place your society and when? Yesterday I mentioned something, yesterday morning in an interview, that if we were to open evening markets mm-hmm. in South Africa and have midnight markets, which we have in Europe, we have them in Asia, and if we were to have weekend markets as well, that will add our GDP to a certain level. Then it will get rid of some employment. Maybe the same would apply to banks, isn't it? Late night banks, banks weekend. Late night banks in most countries in Asia. Yeah. Banks are open on Sunday. So isn't the, the obvious answer to that obvious uh, push that South Africa has two problems? We have transport problems. Uh, infrastructure just not great. Yes, I know many people use taxis, but um, and I'm not even talking about the private taxi. I'm talking the Zola buds of the world, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And trains. And then the big bugbear above that is the undeniable issue of of safety and violent crime in our country, and that prevents people from trading at night. That is the fourth bottleneck. But why I never mentioned the issue of crime in my talks, or even when I talk with my students is that nobody is born a criminal. Nobody works in the morning and say, I don't want to school, I want to be a criminal. You become a criminal because you have failed at something. To be a criminal is an alternative of something. Mm -hmm. Let me put this into, into perspective. Nobody is born wanting to be a freedom fighter. You become a freedom fighter because you no longer have a space to manifest your identities. And then you say, there are people like me, I'm going to protest. I'm going to pick up arms or mm, I'm going mm, to mm. be against so the, the circumstances and the conditions create in a, a country creates the freedom fighter yes. can also create the criminal and yes. does do so. Exactly. And one of the main things is the failure to convert or put measures in place for distribution, not redistribution of economy, for distribution of economy. We've got the notion of state of ownership. State of ownership, it is contrary or is not the same as the right to ownership. What's the difference between redistribution and distribution? Redistribution in following the politics we have in South Africa Mm. and our history. Redistribution may be misconstrued as meaning that is some sort of retribution that those who had advantages have to feed those who were mm-hmm. formerly disadvantaged. And therefore has a negative y- yes. connotation. And it's, it brings guilt. And once you have a larger part of your society living in guilt, that is a problem. That's a big problem. That brings uh, polemics. Those polemics, we ha- racial polemics we have in South Africa. Some people are scared that are going to, to lose. But after two decades, we should be at a point of speaking about distribution of economic measures, distribution of public goods. 
That's number one. Now, the architect. Okay, pause, yes. pause on that because there's more to come. Um, and I want to just remind you, we are chatting to, and I'm chatting, and you certainly engaged, connected to Dr. Paul uh, Silungiseli Tembe. He's my big hitter for the night. We'll talk about many things around democracy and, as you've heard, about distribution and redistribution and probably the budget as well tomorrow, besides other things. And the rest of maybe America will come into the discussion as well. To engage him on air, it's oh nine. One one zero four two zero seven. What do you want to ask? What do you want to tell the big hitter? Here's your views. Let's bridge the gap on Talk Sign Day, Friday the 9th of March. Respect the deaf community when you open communication and learn sign language. Play your part. Wear your sticker. Phone 031-309-4991 or visit www.talksign.co.za. Yes, we can build society. Wear your sticker on Talk Sign Day, Friday the 9th of March. Let's bridge the gap. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. The Atlanta summer of 1886 was hot. But you could ease your parched throat with a delicious new drink that cost five cents a glass. Back then, only nine glasses a day were sold. Today, over 1.9 billion servings are sold around the world every day. Coca-Cola is just one of over 300 exceptional companies in the CoreShares Global Dividend Aristocrats ETF, which makes it a very refreshing investment indeed. Visit coreshares.co.za. CoreShares is a registered FSP. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Right, we're going to get to some of the callers. Um, in, in fact, let me do this. Let me. I, I need to come back to those three or four key points that Dr. Um, uh, Paul... Uh, Zilungizeli Tembe said, but let me just get to some of the calls. Tony from Durban, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Tony. Yes, uh, good evening, Ashraf, and good evening to your guest. Good um, evening. I'd just like to make three points. Um, number one, um, if evening uh, markets, midnight markets, whatever you want to call them, um, that would definitely perpetuate uh, fake brands. That's the first issue. The other issue is um, each and every person, irrespective of color or creed or race, is responsible for their own destiny, point number two. And then point number three is um, why are politicians that earn 150,000 rand a month, why are they involved in corruption? And I'll listen to those answers on the road. Okay, lots, lots of Very questions uh, come through. Hopefully you, you picked up on those. Go ahead. Okay, got the mic. will come to you in a minute. Go ahead, yeah. Yes. Uh, there, 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 there's a way in which I deal with with, uh, with questions, and in this in this case, I'm not condescending. What the, the speaker, what mm. the caller just asked now, it's about the what, and focused on the who, politicians who get so much and all mm, that, mm. but he did not question the how. What South Africa needs after 20 years is the how. And I spoke here about polemics between groups. Mm-hmm. How do we, we shouldn't deal with issues of who against who. And I'll point again onto this issue. Uh, <laughs> the caller spoke about the last point that I raised. Right of ownership mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the state of ownership. Yeah. Right of ownership. It's when you legally put a framework in place and say you have a right of ownership because of one, two, three. But in a country like South Africa, where we had 
colonialism, we had apartheid, and then we had 1994 democracy. Right of ownership has got its own discrepancies. For, it's good for the market, but not for societal issues overboard. Why? Because we, we tend to make South Africa as if it's about business. South Africa is not about money. South Africa is about a nation that has got an identity or that is struggling with its identities, that is supposed to reach its position in the region and continental and in the world. South Africa is not a market for South Africans to compete. South Africa is our home as a society. So we should deal with issues of state of ownership. You cannot deal with state of ownership if you are not yet a coherent nation. The caller is defending the right of ownership, mm, mm, which mm. came as a law after some people were dispossessed unlawfully. And you're saying we need to focus on the state of ownership. State of ownership. Okay, what, what that really means, we'll <laughs> develop that. I want to get to another caller, Mike uh, in Newlands. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Mike, you're on the air. Hello. Mike there. Mike. No, Mike's can not. You know? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, Ashraf, you have two points. First of all, I just had a wonderful holiday in China. The one thing I brought back was a phrase that the Chinese often use. They say it doesn't matter if the cat is black or white. As long as it cats the rat, it must be a good cat. And I thought, gee whiz, man, if we could just bring that back to South Africa, get over the race and just start building the country on that basis. Forget about the color of the person and the, uh, of his skin. Uh, if you look at ESCOM today when they fired all the whites because they thought they want to transform men quickly, nobody's against transformation, but you've got to do it properly. So that's the one thing that we should really learn in this country. And the other thing is that, um, personally speaking, I don't really trust the Chinese very much. I'm not sure that I agree with your guest. I think that Chinese, having been there, they're, they're wonderful people, and they, quite frankly, they capitalism on steroids. But, you know, they're in Africa. They're involved in the media. Independent press mm, here in mm, South Africa mm, has a Chinese shareholding. We know that they control a, a large percent of Zambian copper mines as well as their electrical company and their media. And we also know that they've lent us, I think it's $400 million, but I'm sure the doctor will correct me on that. But I ask the question, if they're going to lend us so much money, and we're a country that, let's be honest, we're steeped in corruption from the, president, the previous president downwards. Uh, every single department, ESCOM, it's all corrupt. Okay, quick, what, what's your final point there, yeah? If they're not getting, they're not getting something... Okay, what would they expect? It's, it's, it's a, I think it's a very important point. Thanks for that call, uh, Mike. We'll get to more calls. So maybe just pick up on that last point, because I, I would have asked the same thing uh, later on as well. You know, your, is your view of, of China not... But rather naive that, you know, it's, it's yes, they may not be the colonizers as we know it because they haven't colonized exactly. any of the countries. Exactly. But, but, but how do you know that they won't, that they don't have other motives like so many other empires in the world over the generations? Yes. Let me just uh, take uh, points which I, I agree with Mike. Mm. Black or white cat, as long as it catches mice, is a good one. That was Deng Xiaoping, 1978. What does that mean? It means pragmatism, which we run away mm, from in mm, South Africa. Mm, mm. We follow labels. It's democracy. It doesn't matter if it make, gets other chi thousand children hungry. I'll even take you to court to have my democratic rights. I've got rights without obligations. So I agree with Mike in that point. Uh, debt trap. The issue of debt trap, we are reading Chinese presence in Africa in relation to our history 
on how we were colonized. Mm-hmm. I'm going there again. But it is also within our right to say, no, we don't want money from China. So, I repeat again, China will be what we make of it. China is out of China into Africa and other continents in order to make life better for their people. They are seeking new markets like any superpower that comes mm. up in the world. But, but is the relationship equal? You see, this is the point. No, like, no, 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 no. It's no. not equal. No. There is e- equal as a right cannot feature on this case. Can we, we may ask, is there synergy? Because I, I, again, let, let's, mm. let's go somewhere else now. We're dealing with Africa, that is a continent. And we're dealing with China, that is a civilizational nation vis-a-vis multiple national mm, states. Mm, mm. In Africa, we have South Africa, an economic giant. But uh, pardon me, but I'll say this. We also have Togo. We have Burkina Faso. So even in boxing, to use Mwali uh, Munyerara's words, mm, mm. we've got heavyweights, we've got welterweight, we've got junior weight. So to put featherweight with heavyweight, that is matter. It's no longer boxing. And then maybe we'll have, like the heavyweights, you could have three different title divisions, so, so uh, three different ranking organizations, so they have their own debates about who's the heavyweight, but I get your point. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's what we're, we're looking at. So again, the three bottlenecks that I mentioned about South Africa, they have a ripple effect. They have become African bottlenecks whereby our own organization that I love so much also, African Union, 70% of its budget comes from European Union. But I hear nobody speaking of that colonialism. The very 70% that is supporting the European Union, they've got 80% of white elephants in Africa. I mean, projects that never rendered any final public goods. I'm not favoring China, but there are tangible things that I can touch about China, of traders going to China in their thousands, people who who would have never entered an airport since 10 years ago. We've been to China. And now I've been to China. To trade in Guangzhou. I want to get to other callers, KGM and Colin, just hang 10 for the moment. But before that, one of the points in terms of your bottlenecks, uh, and and help me if if I've got it incorrect, you spoke about... And it's topical because tomorrow is budget day in South Africa. We spoke about um, that the policy of government and the economic policy almost can't be intertwined. I mean, explain what, what did you what did you mean by that? You're almost suggesting that government shouldn't influence economic policy, if I can understand uh, that correctly. What, what did you mean? They should. But policy should be legislated into law. As now we're talking about geopolitical issues, let me make one example. In our legislation book, we've got one line, I mean one line only, on investors' incentives. But if we take countries like Egypt and other countries that we see them driving, in their bulk of law, they've got like 20 to 50 well-stipulated regulations. If you invest in the rural area, if you invest in the semi-rural area, if you invest in townships, if you invest in the real industrial area, in the CBDs, what will happen? What are your benefits? What are your tax rebates? We don't have that as proclamated into law in South Africa. We don't. Are you saying we're under-regulated? Therefore? We are under, extremely under-regulated. 
And it seems as if somewhere between policy and law, there is a huddle. I've not been able to understand which huddle is that. But the irony at the same time is that we've got the best constitution in South Africa that allows everybody's rights. So are we victims of our rights? whereby our best constitution doesn't allow the mass of our people to access final public goods. And, and you want to answer that question yourself? I'm not able to answer Are we, are we victims of uh, our rights? I, I wouldn't say that because even me, I'll be running the risk of labeling and saying that no, democracy is not correct. For example, I'll make one, uh, mm. some, what some people comment. Some people say that, Oh, there are people who said everything is clean in Kigali. There is free mm. internet in Kigali. There's clean whatever, whatever. I will say Kigali is being pragmatic f- for their situation. Mm. Another so question, pragmatic, not democratic. N- yes, it's pragmatic. It is pragmatic. I'll speak an- about another thing that I found in my questions about China. Does Africa have a policy on China? Okay, just just pause on that because I, I yes. want to pick up that that in a moment. I want to get some of the callers. KGM from Kimberley this time. Hi. Good evening, uh, Ashraf. Good evening to your guest and to the listeners. Good. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Look, Ashraf, my, my point of departure is this. Um, I, I hear what your guest is saying and I hear what the likes of Mike uh, also saying. But I, I'll, I'll say this for what it's worth. If, if we, we are not going to consider the, the issue of originality in everything that we say if we're not going to consider that Ashraf, we we don't know who we are we don't know where we are we wouldn't even know where we're going look for me the biggest challenge that we've always had and still have i had your 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 your, your guest saying post apartheid post colonization i i believe we're still deep into those two it, 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 it's, it's sad, Ashraf, that we, we will quote and, and re- make reference to things that we don't even know their origins. Let me challenge your guest by, by saying to, to him, I believe that we're still deeply rooted into a very dislocating system to us as Africans. We haven't moved an inch, if anything, including China that you seem to be favoring. Mm, mm, mm. There's nothing good that China brings. China is just another form of colonization. The same way that when the colonization you keep on referring to came, some of us as Africans said it was good, it was bringing the good, because what they do, they keep on, on giving sporadic indications of good but yet ripping us apart and leaving us dry. Okay, so My what should we do? What should then we do regarding China? If we, if we agree with you, what should, then, what should our relationship be with China right now? It's very simple, uh, Ashraf. We, we are the owners of what people are interested in. If we go to China, we're not going to tell China what to do. And this shouldn't be, I agree here with your guest, this shouldn't be about money it shouldn't be about the resources if that money and resources is not going to be to our benefit then china and everybody else can keep those resources and that money okay now can i conclude by saying very quickly yeah go ahead um what we need to do as africans we need to to call ourselves 
excluding others. And I'm not apologetic about this, Ashraf. We are not going to resolve problems of this country if we are not going to be honest to nature. Naturally, there are people of foreign descent who are here who have an option of when South Africa is not working, they will go back to their to, to their roots. Now, if we are not going to think as this as our only, only land to be, mm-hmm. then we are going to think that we also can go elsewhere because we can get passports and naturalize and lie to ourselves to say we belong to some countries. Okay, and then you're not invested in that case here. Yeah. Okay, KGM, yeah. let's leave it at that. Thank you. Respond? My guest, let me just remind people, Dr. Paul uh, Silungiseli, Tembe, who is, amongst many other things, a research fellow at the Itabo Mbeki African Leadership Institute, also an associate professor at the Institute of African Studies, has studied in China, and as you can see, claim very much unsigned with regard to China. Okay, respond firstly to the to the Chinese point of view. KGM is not sold on, I, on your pitch. At first, when KGM started talking, I said, wow, I apologize for my lack of eloquence. But when he elaborated these points, he, he agreed with me. <laughs> First, on issue of identity, I said at the beginning that the issue of identity as South Africans has evaded us since 1994. I was clear with, about that. And I was clear particularly with China to say that China will be what we make of it both in Africa and South Africa. You did say that, yeah. Yes. So those two points that he's raising now are points that I've raised, but maybe he didn't... Okay, ad- but, but he's still very... He's suggesting that, well, he's certainly not sold on China, and you are. You may have some caution. He's not. He's like, no. Uh, I look at our history. I cannot speak about fourth industrial revolution without speaking about first and second and third industrial revolution. And I cannot also render myself immune to the fourth industrial revolution because it's coming. And if I'm not ready, I'm going to be a victim of it. And what makes us feel as if we are victims of the expansion of the new global power is because we're not ready as a nation. We have not been able to establish a coherent social system that will deliver goods to our people. One good point that KGM came came with is that most people from outside can take their passports and go home when things are bad in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And I would like to say it is exactly for that reason that it is agent that we find a coherent system and run away from labels of either draconian regime or liberal democracy and all that. Let us get pragmatic. About South, Africa. about South Africa. Well, if you're pragmatic, I'm certainly with you on this one. Yeah, let's, let's see our pragmatic colonies from Cape Town. Hi, Colin. Good evening, Asha. Hi. Go ahead. You know, KGM, I 100% agree with him. Okay, I'm a regular listener. I would like to ask your guest, what does the word democracy mean? In a post-apartheid Okay, but you asked that question yesterday or day before, Colin. Now, re- yeah. I know you asked it, so let's not, you know, maybe maybe tackle him on something that he said already. Okay, I'll, I would like to ask you, why are we allowing? Uh, Tata Ajikoma spoke about a year ago. In Africa, we own forty-seven percent of the wealth 
in the 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 planet. Why aren't we using those same minerals as KGB, uh, KG, uh, M said? The Chinese. They are coming here. Every everybody is coming here. Okay. Why? So so here's your question, Colin. I'm just going to shorten it because we don't have much time. Why are we not Why effectively we leveraging of the minerals that materials? this continent owns? Okay. Thanks for that yeah. call, Colin. Respond. Respond. It's one of the biggest issues uh, amongst the most mineral rich, if not the most mineral rich continent in the uh, of all the continents uh, in the world. Why Why do we lag behind? Uh, let me start with democracy. Democracy yeah. means of the people, by the people, for the people. That's a simple one. Mm. And that is why we have a problem in South Africa. Who is the people? Which are the people? Because once we say the people, there is another group of the people that jumps up. That is our first question. Are, who are, who the, are the, pe- in the In the for the people that yes, we serve. Yes, in yeah. the for the people. Well, maybe you want to answer this from in terms of we can only base it on 25 years of governance. Yes. Is the current government... Are they delivering for the people, whoever the people it is that you define? The current government is stuck in labels. They have goodwill, but they're stuck in labels. Uh, And once you're stuck in labels, then ethical issues come up. But that's another discussion. Issues of ethics that are even beyond the law. When you speak of moral ethics, you are beyond the law. You take human and humanism, you put them at the center. I'm saying that it's, a, it's another question. It's a, it's another topic because then we have issues of Ubuntu. Ubuntu is used here as some sort of a docile identity mm, in mm, humanism, mm. but it's never. We've never discussed Ubuntu as a tool for state of ownership, for example. Well, can we talk about it now? What so what, what? What is Ubuntu, and, and, and has it ever been? We use the word brand quite a few times off air, branded to the point where it is synonymous with all the great things in Africa by everybody in the world. They just latch on to it. Uh, Ubuntu has become a, a cosmetic label or a magic wonder, so to speak. Oh, Ubuntu is humanism. Ubuntu, you need to be humane. Ubuntu, you need to forgive. Remember when the term came up and it, it was trending, it was during the TRC. Mm-hmm. And all scholars around the world fell in love with that. There's a specific citation there. But they all make reference to the TRC as if Ubuntu is only about forgiveness. And Ubuntu is not. Ubuntu is not only about forgiveness. Actually, Ubuntu can be brutal because Ubuntu, it means application and implementing of Isintu. You cannot be human without doing humanism. But I've Isintu among South Africans, we practice it in rural areas and in locations. But once I enter the corridors of power, I go back to Cartesian dualities. Mm, mm, mm. Because, I, I leave the holism of Ubuntu aside. Because more important than that question about democracy, then it comes back to the issue of parliament, that the vast majority of, of people represented in parliament have their roots, well, first of all, A, in this country, exactly. but then their roots in terms of rural South Africa to a exactly. large degree. Exactly. And, and, and they, 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 they speak at length, they champion the, the, uh, the impact of their forefathers, etc. But is it fair to say that in practical terms, our parliaments do not reflect 
the great strength of the rural communes that not just South Africa, but Africa possesses and many other parts of the world, even many swathes of Asia and the Middle East, accepting, accepting the West? I'll answer it like this. Not only parliament, factory floor, offices, immediately we get into those spaces. Our conceptualization and system of rationalization become a Cartesian duality of body and mind. We forget about African holism. What do I mean about African holism? African holism deals with ownership being within the primordial sense of being, that by mere virtue of being born, you own something. And you have a societal obligation, then therefore I can use the maxim, I am because you because are. Because you are. Well, I still want to ask you if, if we're born and we own something, what is it we own? We'll get you to think about or answer that question in a moment. My guest, Dr. Paul uh, Zilungizele Tembe, with me. He's my big hitter. He'll be with me up to nine o'clock. Uh, SMSs are still welcome, 40938. And uh, also, if you wish to tweet, it's hashtag SAFM viewpoint. Thumbs up if you like what he's saying. Thumbs down if you don't. Either way, you can engage, you can challenge those views. That's why the show is called The Viewpoint. Hi, I'm David, an HP Print Incologist. When you buy an HP printer, you buy a system that is designed to work together to give you the best quality prints, the printer, the paper, and the ink. But if you change one component of that system, is it the same? Would you pour sparkling water into your coffee machine? If your answer is no, why put non-original HP ink into your printer? Always choose original HP ink for optimal results. Visit myhp.co.za to buy original HP toner cartridges. Not sure what to do on Friday nights? SABC3 brings you great Friday night movies this February. On 1 Feb at 10.30pm, join us for Fatal Memories. Then on 8 February at 9.30pm, join us for Buried Secrets. On 15 February at 9.30pm, cuddle up on the couch for Barefoot. And then on 22 February at 9.30pm, we end February Friday nights with City of God. The best Friday night movies with SABC3. Paying a huge insurance premium every month for your assets can be difficult, especially when none of that money will ever return to your pocket. But there are ways to reduce your insurance premium without losing any of the insurance cover you already have. How is that possible? Find the answers on this week's edition of Yilungelulako on Monday on SAPC1 at noon with repeats on Thursdays at 11 p.m. The world of soccer takes center stage this week on Playing for the Coach. SABC Sport celebrates a former teacher, player and coach and current head of technical at Mamelodi Sundance, Trot Tropatoni Moloto. His first break came in 1986 as an assistant coach to Skrima Shabalala at Mamelodi Sundowns. He has written his name in the football history books as he was the first Bafana Bafana coach to defeat a European opposition after beating Sweden 1-0 in September 1999. From the new season, we still have been referred to as the defending champions. That's very, very key. Catch this week's hero, Trot Moloto, on Playing for the Coach, Sunday at half past two on SABC1. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. Okay, chatting to Dr. Dr. Paul uh, Silungisele Tembe with me for the next 10 minutes or so is our big hit. And by the way, we're going to talk about that AMCU strike and the implications thereof after nine. So do not miss that discussion as we get our... Uh, Get the big picture into what's really going on and the possible impact of that. Uh, here's one of the voice notes you need to listen to. 
I believe that we must take from the West and also take from the East. Because if we learn from the East and the West, then we become a powerhouse. Uh, look, the professor is saying some important things about the 14th uh, Industrial Revolution and is uh, giving some light into what needs to be done as South Africans and how we can be better off. I mean, he's, he has more knowledge and I think he should give the guys in Parliament a word or two. Okay, got that. You should uh, go go to Parliament. Would you? Would you? Would you go to Parliament? <laughs> well, time will show. There's a chuckle there, so maybe there's a <laughs> maybe there's a plan around around that line. All right, here's the one. While we're staying with Parliament, I know you want to talk about minerals, right, and beneficiation, maybe. Yes. Um, something I touched on yesterday. Uh, is it time now, considering where we are as a country, to go back to this? if not a government of national unity, a cabinet of national unity, where it re- needs to start reflecting the very best brains trust that we have in the country and not party, partisan. We are, we are going to one of the three bottlenecks. Uh, policies that are party politics. Party politics policies that hinder economic development policies. That is where we are. But in order to do that, you need a new system in place, a system of meritocracy. Because there you are putting capable people, people who are qualified, people who possess specific qualities to do that. And but will, will meritocracy then replace democracy? No, 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 no. What, what is it? It, it can... Meritocracy doesn't replace anything. Meritocracy is just putting able people and not people who favor you into places where you're supposed to deliver public goods. And the status quo at the moment, and if you're thinking we're going to talk about color, we're not even talking about color. None. It's simply people are wedded to their political party ideologies, right? Exactly. So you agree or you, you sign up for the ideology, you've got a chance to get promoted. You do, you do not sign up, you're out. You're out. And that then... Has, if it was limited to the to this cute game of politics, unfortunately, politics cannot be a cute game. If it was only limited to politics, we'll say, okay, guys, get occupied there. We continue with developing the country. Unfortunately, this tendency of this system that we find in politics, the politicking goes over to our economy, goes over to our social development. That is the problem. And therefore impacts on every aspect of our lives. Okay, yeah, exactly. got that. Uh, you were going to talk about our mineral wealth very quickly on, in Africa. Uh, there is, it's like I'm giving a resource here. Uh, last year, I wrote one chapter, which is chapter three of China-Africa relations book, where I say how China uses Africa to climb to the world stage. And one of the things I say is that we need to have prerequisites in place that we call the shorts before our minerals even reach the market, because this is sovereign patrimony. These are our goods mm-hmm. as a nation. How, how do we call the shots when we, we need a buyer? That, that is the model I'm trying to make there. I say, before our minerals reach the, hit the market, before you touch the minerals, before you get the license and everything, there should be some prerequisites in place because buyers will keep on coming. 
buyers have been coming to South Africa for more than uh, three centuries now, and they will keep coming as long as there are minerals. So if you put conditions in place and put those prerequisites, we use our minerals before they hit the markets. What we said, what I then suggested in that model is that once our minerals hit the market, we lose because we don't have robust financial systems. I don't even want to talk about mm-hmm. our Reserve Bank and all that, how it's connected to the World Stock Exchange, that diamonds is in Antwerpen and all that before I even reach there. Let our minerals work for us if, before they hit the market. It means a prerequisite for you to mine in South Africa is so much. By the time they enter the market mainstream, our people are done. Okay. Our people are not economists. We need to have a discussion about just mining and, and minerals, another whole discussion another time. Uh, one of the things you spoke about very early on is that, that South Africa can't be just taken as a market Right. Exactly. Um, and, and we are people. We, we are people who have a country. We live here. And I like that. OK. Now, I would have said because I asked this question on a WhatsApp group yesterday. What is what is South Africa's uh, USP unique selling point in the light of what you said? You may want to answer that and, and also throw in not just USP because that sounds like business. But then what is our DNA? You know, do we have a common DNA that 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 that, that strengthens us as a, as a nation? We're a new world experiment, a beautiful one, where diversified people, we share one thing in common. We share the space we live in. In the sense is geography becomes everything. But a specific geography render goods to its people. Can we then become a people and protect those goods? I'm repeating myself here. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to this thing. But that is the point of departure. But as long as if we have measures in place that only allow a specific group of people to touch on the goods and immediately there is inclusiveness, then there is a doi-doi. Let me make an example. Okay, very quickly. I've been to Malaysia. I've been to China. I've been to Japan. I've been to Korea. In their special economic zones in the markets, you find it that Chinese or Koreans speaking Zulu because in a way they can see that we are a South African. Even in Guangzhou, they'll say, okay, wow. hey, how's it Chomi? <laughs> Chomi? Those people are in China. They've never put set their foot in South Africa. They speak some Zulu because they know that's where their market is when you are over there. But once they're in South Africa, the, one of the problems with South Africa is the only place when you can get into access benefits without immersing yourself into its culture. So even people that I've seen wanting to learn about South Africa while they're outside, once they reach South Africa, they understand the separation of space okay, very they fast. They don't have to immerse themselves. They don't that have to immerse. They well be a product of a party. And I think exactly. absolutely spot on. Yes. So, so then what is our USP then? Do we have a USP, a unique selling point? Our, US, uh, our, our unique selling point it's our diversity. And we have to say, we are South Africans. I'll say something here. Maybe may, most people won't agree with South Africans are not aware that South Africa belongs to them. South Africans, they're not aware that the village they stay belongs to them. They're not aware that the township they stay is their township. Because that glue 
that brings together a society. Moral social fiber does not exist anymore in South Africa. We have sorts of our gospel is about money. That's why it is important to say South Africa is not stock exchange. South Africa is a locus, it's a place where human beings live. Let us find an identity that we can share. That's a good point. Let's say uh, we've got about a two, two minutes to go. I'll tell you what, we're going to talk, maybe about, we'll get you in another day to talk about countries because we're going to speak about Venezuela and the USA, but let's do justice to that, okay, mm-hmm. some other time. Perhaps a, a bigger one, one of the points you brought up earlier on, therefore, you said when a child is born in, in, in South Africa, in Africa, in fact, they already own something. And I said, well, let's find out what, what do you mean by that? Explain that. Yes, they, they, own, they own being African. They, they own being born. A, a very simple example. If somebody is born in a location of Umlazi, when you are born there, you belong there. And if somebody discovers gold or diamond, and they, diamonds, they think they can better process them, then they will take you away from your birthplace. Then they have to pay you. Because that is your bit place. That is where you belong. That is what you own in a primordial sense. That's how tribes were formed. That's how communities were formed. That's how nations were formed. Then when nations, they discover that they are short of something, they then travel somewhere. But in South Africa, it is by rule that if you are born in a rural area, you must leave rural area for the cities. Get to the, get to the cities. Yes. Quick, quick thought. We got a minute to go. The relationship in this country between business and government. It's warm and cold. It's warm and cold. Sometimes you, sometimes or most of the time, you feel that business runs South Africa. You find that business runs South Africa, and business. At every opportunity that they get, they blackmail the government. So give me an example. That's a strong. They blackmail the government and sometimes business runs South Africa. So the whole whole nation listening was like, yes, tell us how. Exactly. Exactly. There is this threat that we can't pass this law. We can't do this because investors won't come. That is a fallacy. Investors will come here because we've got something that they want. We've got to put measures in place that when investors come, it benefits the people. Let me just go away from there. 30 30 seconds, yeah. Yes. We've got what we call free trade zones or free economic zones. The Dubai Port, Kuega, Mm, mm, mm. Richards Bay, state-of-the-art facilities. They're empty. They're They're not not Dubai. They're not Dubai. Yeah, they're not Dubai. Those are supposed to be our Dubais. I know for a fact somebody said that China has borrowed us so much. The figure he mentioned is very little. China is ready to invest billions. But the nervousness is that all the promises they are getting, they are in terms of policy. They are not legislated into law. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Thank you for your time. We'll get you in once again some other time. I really want to talk to you about uh, countries outside of South Africa. Dr. Paul uh, Zilungisele Tembe. Not to say if you're on Twitter, but uh, we certainly will have a podcast up of this conversation tomorrow morning around 9 a.m. Check it out on the website, safm.co. Let's get the news now. Just go 9 o'clock.